It's part of the series Winning the Spiritual Battle and sub uh, series is Praise is a Weapon and we'll start today with God is Light and Truth. How many of you know that God is Light and God is Truth? Okay. Uh, opening uh, passages. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk, walk in darkness but have the light of life. Verse 31, of also of John chapter 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And finally, John chapter 14, verse 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Father, we just come before you this morning. And Lord, I thank you that you are love. And Lord, your profound desire is for each of us to become loving people, Lord. More loving each day. And Lord, you are also holy. You are pure. You are spotless. Lord, you are that light. And Lord, there's no darkness in you, Lord. And you want us to be children of the light, Lord, and uh, live uh, holy and spotless lives. And Lord, you are just. You are just in all of your dealings with us, Lord God. And you want us to be just people too and be just in our dealings with our fellow human beings. And Lord, you are faithful, Lord. You are always faithful to us. Lord, uh, help us to be faithful, Lord. As we have received the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts, Lord, help us to be faithful to him and shun evil in our lives. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us now, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name that your anointing would rest upon your servant, Lord, as I bring forth this message that you have shared with me. And I thank you for visiting us in strength and power. And Lord, let your spirit speak to us uh, through uh, the church today, through the message given today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as you can tell, God spoke to me this morning and told me that I need to be practicing what I preach. As you can see from that opening uh, prayer, and God told me that it's not enough for me to preach the word to you, I need to lead by example too. So that's just an example of the way that we need to pray. We need to be praising God for who He is. And recently we've been looking at praise as a weapon to defeat the enemies in our lives. Who are our enemies? Who knows what our enemies are? Three enemies. The world, 
the flesh, that's ourselves, our carnal nature, and the devil. Those three are our enemies, and they work in tandem. The devil uses the world and the world's way of thinking to stir up the fleshly passions that dwell in each of us. And, you know, those are our enemies, and we can defeat him by the, the weapons of God. Uh, recently, uh, we've been talking about uh, praise as a weapon, particularly in the way of adoration. And the theme verse for the series is Psalm 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. We've been looking at adoration. Adoration in contrast to thankfulness. Thankfulness is where we thank God for what He has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. But adoration is where you praise God for who and what He is. And in doing this, I've been going through the various attributes of God, what are called the attributes of God. They include, but are not restricted to, love, His holiness, His justice, His faithfulness, His truthfulness, His veracity. Veracity is just a $5 word meaning His truthfulness. You know, you could also say honesty too. You know, and He's, in, he, he's eternity of being. And then his omniverse uh, uh, attributes, which include his um, <clears throat> omnipresence, he's everywhere present, his omnipotence, he is all-powerful, and his omniscience. God is all-knowing, so don't try to hide anything uh, from him, because he knows already. And we're going to look at all of these in uh, uh, later pe uh, messages. And so far we've looked at four of those attributes. God is love, God is holy, God is just, and finally, the last few weeks we've been covering the fact that God is faithful. And remember what He wants to, from us. <clears throat> he not only wants us to know who and what He is, but He wants us to be like Him. That's what we are striving to do, is to become more like God. To be more loving people, to be more holy, holy people, to be more just people, just in all of our dealings with our fellow human beings, and faithful. We need to be faithful to everyone else, but especially to God, because He is always faithful to us. Now, as a proof text that God wants us to be more like Him, He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants us to be like Jesus, conformed to His image. And that means the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, patience, so on and so forth. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ so we should become more and more like him with each day passing. To be like God doesn't mean we become him. We're never going to become God. You know, not like uh, some of the uh, cults say, we're not going to be God. We're going to become like Him. 
And the end result, we have really no idea what exactly the end result. You take uh, what the Apostle John uh, wrote in his uh, first epistle. And believe me, God, uh, John knew Jesus better than just about anybody else. He walked with him for three years. And he wrote this at the end of his life after he'd been walking with him for about maybe an estimated uh, 60 more years after Jesus' death and uh, uh, burial and resurrection. And he wrote this. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed. See, John did even, himself didn't even, even have the full story. What we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I'm looking forward to that time. Amen? Who's looking forward to seeing Jesus one of these days? Hallelujah. Now, the fifth attribute I'm going to be covering here, and we're going to probably spend a few weeks on this attribute, because there's just so much to be said. The fifth attribute is this, that God is light and truth. Now, I'm combining those two attributes, because we're, as we're going to see in a little while, they are interrelated. I'll look at light first. There's two things to consider, though, concerning light. And that is, number one, God wants to shine the light in our lives. He will shine it, but you have to be willing to receive it. You know, He doesn't want us dwelling in darkness. How many can say amen to that? He doesn't want us dwelling in darkness. And the other thing to keep in mind about this light is in a confrontation between light and darkness, light wins 100% of the time. You come into a dark room, what do you do? You know, do you get a broom and try to sweep out the darkness? Doesn't work, does it? No, what do you do? You just turn on the light, and what happens to the darkness? You know, it vanishes away. So, we don't have to fight against the darkness. Well, we do need to fight against the forces of darkness when he tries to uh, put that darkness into our lives. We need to fight against him, you know, and the, the other two enemies too. Uh, but the main thing is to just allow Jesus to shine the light into your uh, soul. Now, John, the Apostle John, you know, had more to say about this conflict of light and darkness more than perhaps any other writer that you find in the Bible. And this is what he wrote in uh, 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through uh, 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, keeps on cleansing us from every sin. <clears throat> if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, if we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his truth is not in us. Okay, so this is a fascinating passage of scripture. And you know what John does in these uh, six verses right here, verses 5 through 10 of 1 John chapter 1, is he draws a contrast between light and darkness with alternating uh, verses. You know, it's kind of like a jeweler, you know. You come in, you want to buy a diamond, a diamond ring or something like that. What's the jeweler do? He... Uh, he or she will take that uh, diamond and put it into a dark uh, background, maybe maybe a, a piece of black velvet or something like that, and then shine the light on that diamond. Just to give you the full effect of how brilliant that diamond is. And that's what John does in this passage too. He does this with alternating uh, verses here. This is how he does it. Verse 5, and this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. So remembering that light represents also represents truth. God is always going to give you the straight story. So we're going to see later on in this particular uh, attribute it's impossible for God to lie. You know, that's what it says in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 6. It's impossible for God to lie. God is always going to be light and always give you the true story. So there in verse 5, you've got light. Amen? Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we've got darkness there in verse 6. Verse 7, If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son keeps on cleansing us from every sin. So we're back to light again. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, we lie to ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, you got darkness again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You know, the founder of uh, Christian science was a woman by the name of Mary Baker Eddy. Mary Baker Eddy said, there is no sin, no sickness, and no death. And then she died. So she disproved everything by the fact that she ceased to exist, at least here on earth anyway. Her soul is still existing somewhere, you know. And, uh, but anyway, she proved that she was telling a lie by saying there's no death. So it's also true that she was lying when she said that there is no sin. And that's true of us. If we say we have no sin, we... <clears throat> Make him out to be a, a liar. We are lying to ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're back to light again. And finally, in verse 10, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. We're not only deceiving ourselves, we're making God out to be a liar too. And His Word is not in us. Focus on that word, the, the word word there. Because we're going to get into the word. We, we're not going to be able to get into it today. I don't have time to do it. But we're going to see what a, a factor the word of God is. Because the word of God is truth. Amen. The word of God is light. So back to darkness again. And you know I didn't quote it earlier. But if you go to the very next verse. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. John writes, My little children, these things I write unto you so that you may not sin. His word is designed to keep us from sin. You know, when I was a boy, I remember growing up in the Baptist church. I remember a speaker one time saying one thing that uh, I wrote down in my Bible. And it said, This book, this Bible, will keep you from sin or sin will keep, keep you from this Bible. Amen. A lot of truth in that. Okay? So he writes to you that you may not sin, you know, to keep you from sin. You know, you still got that sin nature, so you can't get away from that. And we're going to fall. You know, you're going to walk out of this building here today, and somewhere along the line, you're going to fall again. You're going to sin again. It's just inevitable because of the sin nature that we still have. You know, we altered our destiny when we became Christians, but we didn't alter our nature. That sin nature is still within you. And you have to crucify that sin nature on a daily basis. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. We've got somebody that will stand in the gap for us between us and uh, uh, God the Father, Almighty God the Father. And uh, and stand stand on our side Je the, with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for also for the entire world. So that source of forgiveness, why God will forgive us even when we do sin, is because of what Jesus, because of Jesus and what Jesus did for us on that cross. But first you have to come to the light. You have to walk in that light. Now there's other passages. You know, light and darkness was one of the favorite themes of the Apostle John in his writings. First, uh, I'm sorry, uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. In him, that is, it's talking about Jesus, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. In him, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness... And the darkness did not overcome it. Back again to that illustration. Just turn on the light. Just turn on the light of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word in your life. And you, uh, the uh, darkness cannot overcome Jesus. 
There was a man that was sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, not the writer of uh, the Gospel of John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. John was not that light. John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So the light is always shining there for us. The question is not whether it's shining. The question is whether you will come to the light. One more scripture from uh, John. Uh, you know, most people know John 3.16. Who knows John 3.16? That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, what follows John 3.16? How many of you know what it says on past there? Well... It says in verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him, the, the God the Son, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now here it is right here. What I'm trying to draw out. Verse 19. And this is condemnation. That light. Jesus has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than the light. You know there's nothing more that describes the human condition than that phrase right there. Men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil for everyone practicing you see practicing there we all do evil but do we continue to practice it in unrepented sin do we continue to practice it everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light does not come to the light because, lest his deeds be exposed. Okay, in verse 21, but he who does the truth, he who practices the truth, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. That's the difference. Do you hide in the darkness when you do sin, continue to practice it, or do you come to the light? And let God's light clearly shine into the innermost part of your being. And expose any evil that you have in your life. And so that you can repent of it. The importance of light in our life. You ever heard that expression? Sunlight is the best disinfectant? Anybody ever heard that? Okay. You know, when we had the COVID uh, virus going around, they said, well, you know, uh, I remember when they said, uh, well, you know, you got to wipe down your shopping carts, you know, get rid of all the, those evil uh, uh, COVID germs. An equally good way to disinfect them 
was just to leave them out in the sunlight for a little while, and that, that would kill the COVID germs there. And so often our fallen nature leads us to do like the, it says there, men love darkness rather than the light. So we seek to hide our uh, sin from uh, others, and especially God. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? They sinned, and what did they do? They tried to hide away. They hid away in the forest and then tried to hide themselves using those fig leaves. God had a better way of doing that. He, uh, you know, slew some animals and gave the skins to them to cover up their sins. But once again, kind of a blood sacrifice. Even foreshadowing way back there in the very opening scenes of humanity. God was there trying to cover up people's sins. But they hid away, they tried to cover up their sin, but God knew exactly where they were. You know, when he said to Adam, you know, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He was asking them rather, you know, where are you when I want to be there to fellowship with you? You know, you're trying to hide away from me. I don't want you to hide away from me. I love you, Adam and Eve. I know about your sin, but I still want to have fellowship with you. The illustration that I gave a couple of weeks ago. The love of God is like sunlight, right? It's all around us. But so often the clouds of this world obscure that sunlight of God's word. Uh, of uh, God's love. Or worse yet, we try to hide away in the uh, caves of our sin or hide under a rock. Everybody knows what it's like to turn over a rock and what do you see uh, underneath the rock? You see all these little crawly creatures, you know, scurrying underneath there, you know, that were there all along. That's a picture of fallen humanity. Most humanity does not want that light. They want to get away from it. But as Christians, we should desire to come right to it and have our lives laid bare, open before Him, before His light. Now, I'm going to use this next scripture as a bridge to from the light to the truth. Continue down in uh, 1 John chapter 2. Again, a new commandment, verse 8, I, I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So we got these opposites here, light and darkness, the truth of God versus the lies of the world and the, uh, the enemy. And finally, love, God's love and hatred. The hatred, according to John right here, is darkness. The love of God is the light. Now Jesus said that he is the light of the world. Amen. This was the second of the seven great I am sayings in the Gospel of John. A number of years ago, in fact, I was looking it up on my computer because I've got a record of all the messages that I've preached here. 
And I preach the messages on the seven I am sayings of the Gospel of John. I preached it way back in uh, 2015. First, this I am saying is uh, verse 35 of chapter 6. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Second I am saying was the, that one right there in John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen. Then saying number three and saying number four go together. They're both part of the same image. He said, I am the door of the sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 7. And then later on, he allowed, it's more specific. He says, I am the good shepherd. You know, maybe I should preach on those I am sayings again. Kind of refresh your memory. How many of you remember that series? Verse 5. Uh, I'm sorry, saying 5. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never, never die. Don't talk to me about eternal life, you know, in the life to come. I'm living eternal life right now because I have Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Sixth saying is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. And finally, saying 7, I am the true vine. He that abides in me will bear forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Hallelujah. Okay, so Jesus is the light of the world. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 8, 12. This saying prefaced his uh, light of the world sermon that would last until the end of chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. And it was actually more than just a sermon. It was more like a dialogue uh, that he had uh, because the Jews, who were probably mostly the Pharisees, because they were continually arguing with him and disputing them, they would. Uh, Jesus and the Pharisees were debating back and forth. You know, they are trading barbs and sometimes getting uh, outright nasty. You know, uh, uh, outright insults. And do, during this time, Jesus would reveal their hearts because they were in darkness. They were supposed to be the religious leaders, but they were actually living in darkness. They were deceiving themselves. Now, right in the middle of this dialogue, we read in verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word. See, a, a word, once again, word, the word is part of the truth. The word is part of the light. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So you can see how light, this whole context there in John chapter 8, light and truth 
are interrelated. Okay, we're moving right along here. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 32. The word therefore know is, in the Greek, is very interesting. It's the Greek word gnosko, and gnosko, as I've told you before, refers to experiential truth. It doesn't refer to just head knowledge up in here. It refers to experiential truth. So Jesus was really saying, you will experience the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, nobody was ever made free by just knowing the truth up there in their head. They need to get it down into their heart. The person that would truly be free must take that truth and practice it and experience it. Now Jesus would say later on in the upper room discourse, you skip on down to John chapter 14 verse 6. What's the upper room discourse? Who knows what the upper room discourse is? The upper room discourse was Jesus' swan song to his disciples, at least as far as we have really recorded <clears throat> there. It's his last will and testament. Now, if somebody writes out their last will and testament, you better read it and know it and understand it because... Last will and testament is maybe the most important thing that that particular person had to say before they went on to their eternal destiny. Okay? And you find the upper room discourse in John chapter 13 through 17. I've urged you to read that upper room discourse, John 13 through 17. Read it over and over again. And those were the final teachings that Jesus really gave that are recorded. Now, uh, you know, it's true that after Jesus uh, was crucified and then he rose again, that he it says that for uh, 40 days he showed himself with many infallible proofs and he would be talking to these same disciples, not just the 12, but also the other disciples, and he would be explaining to them things of the kingdom of God. Now, God did not see fit to relate those to us. You know, his teachings really stop here, you know, with the upper room discourse. And so it's important that we try to read through the upper room discourse and digest what he had to say. And right in there, he says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So, to allow God's light to shine in your soul, His truth to shine in your soul, you do it through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you expose the darkness of your soul.
the sin, that is. Then you can repent of it and then walk with him daily. Now this is the contrast between real Christianity and the Eastern religions. For example, the Buddha is worshipped in a number of Eastern countries. You know, it started out in India, and then it spread eastward into China, Japan, Sri Lanka, or Ceylon, went to Burma, to a little country called Bhutan, and also Nepal, too, and Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Laos, I'm sorry, Laos, and last of all, Dolly's home country of Thailand. Okay, she can tell you a lot about that. And if you ever go over there, you see a multitude of these uh, Buddhist temples, Buddhist idols, and uh, monks that are running around wearing these orange-yellow uh, uh, saffron-colored robes. See that? They've got their religion. You know, when I went over there, I told them, you know, they told me that I was there to, you know, my, the, the ladies in the uh, uh, language school that I attended, they said, well, when you, uh, people ask what you're doing here, you tell them I, you came to San Sadsana. I came to teach religion. And so, like a dope, I did, uh, did what they told me for about six months. And I, I found that the response was almost, you know, the same every time. And they'll t they would tell me something like, good, we're gra glad you're here uh, because all religions teach people to be good. You know, that's a lie in itself, you know. All religions don't teach people to be good. Some of them teach people to be evil. But anyway, all religions teach people to be good and we need to be good people here in Thailand. You know, they think that was a good way of, you know, diffusing the situation. But if you read through the lines, is we're glad you're here to teach us to be good, but don't expect us to embrace your religion because ours is just as good as yours. That's what they were saying in effect. And I could see that I was going to need to change my approach. So I hit upon... This idea, I didn't tell them I was there to son, satsana, teach religion anymore. Instead, I said, Which means, I came to Thailand to introduce Jesus Christ for Thai people to know in a, spiritual, in a personal way. And their reaction was just completely different. They'd never heard anything like that. And because I didn't come there to give them a new religion. They already got a religion. What do they need another one for? But they need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So, Buddha, in effect, said, My teachings point the way to the truth. So, what Buddha was saying is, I'm a way shower. You know, and the problem is, his way doesn't deal with the problem of sin. His religion, and really all the Eastern religions, uh, goes more or less, they believe in karma, which is saying, well, uh, sin is going to work it, itself out, you know, through this law of karma. You reap what you sow. 
Tam di dai di. Tam chua dai chua. Do good, you receive good. If you do evil, you receive evil. That's what the law of karma is. They said, well, it's all going to work out in the end. With each, they believed in reincarnation and transmigration and that you're becoming more and more holy with each succeeding life. Bible doesn't teach reincarnation, does it? It says it is pointed unto men once to die and after this comes the next life. No, it doesn't say that. After this comes judgment. Okay? So Buddha is the way shower. He doesn't show the proper way though because he doesn't de deal with the problem of sin. And you know Proverbs 14 verse 12 tells us there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is results in death. Jesus didn't say I'm the way shower. He said I am the way, you know, the not the way sure to the truth. I am the truth. I am the way. So Jesus is not a way sure. Jesus is the way. Amen. Suppose you want to get to uh, and this final illustration, and I'm done here. Okay. Suppose you want to get to St. George. You go up to some person. And uh, you say, can you tell me the way to get to St. George? And he'll maybe whip out a map and, you know, show you how to trace out your route on the map. Or maybe he'll give you directions. So you go down here, then turn right, go down through uh, past Pipes, Pipe Spring and... Uh, uh, Hilldale in Colorado City, then you come to Hurricane, you know, and you make so it turns this way, and uh, you know, he'll give you the directions. Well, Jesus did more than give us directions. How many of you know he gave directions? This is the, the directions that he gave us right here, his word. But he does more than that. You know what he does? He puts his arm around your shoulder and says, come with me and I'll take you there. Isn't that precious? That's what it means to know the truth, experience the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus will take you free, uh, make you free because he will take you there. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He's more than just a way shower. He is the way. Okay, I'm done for the day. Now, I, just as a closing song, I want uh, Susie to go on ahead and cue, cue this up. And it's the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And you know why I play that? You know, you, you know I downloaded this from the internet. Uh, yeah. Uh, I downloaded this you know, from uh, uh, YouTube. I've got a YouTube. That's where I get all of the songs up there is I've got a YouTube downloader. You know, we have the license to play them here. But uh, I downloaded this version of the uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic because I wanted to uh, play it for us, you know, on the patriotic days, you know, like the Memorial Day, the 4th of July, Veterans Day, you know, Flag Day, things like that. And the version that I happened to download was 
the same version. I used to sing in, when I was a teenager, you know, in high school. During my junior and senior year, I was part of the youth choir. And we used to sing this song. It was a climactic song that we sung at the end of just about every concert that I can think of. And this, you know, when I found it on YouTube, it was the exact version that we used. And uh, the reason why I'm playing it now is for, what's the uh, final line in there? His, what? His truth is marching on. We're is, is finding this, right? And you know, uh, the version that we have, we'll, we'll have it up here. You'll probably hear me singing it too. Uh, the second verse, you know, the ladies, you know, would go on ahead and they would sing the regular verse and the men would sing, truth is marching, truth is marching. So if you hear me doing that, so, but it's so true. Truth is marching. God's truth is marching on. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's cue it up now and let's listen. Hallelujah. Memories. Okay, I, looking over, everybody, I believe, is uh, saved here, you know, has received God. Everybody received God as their personal Lord and Savior? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go on ahead and uh, uh, pray now. Father God, uh, we just praise and thank you for. Uh, the life that you give us, Lord, that you're a loving and uh, uh, faithful God, Lord, and that you're uh, just and uh, holy, Lord, and you desire us to become more like you, Lord. And I hope that we will do that very thing that we've been preaching on today, Lord, to uh, go with you, Lord, and uh, uh, let you take us on to our eternal destiny, Lord, and become more and more like you. And Lord, we thank you that you are not just a way shower, Lord, but you are the way and that you are the truth, Lord. And Lord, uh, uh, Lord, we just pray that you would shine your the truth of your word into our souls every day. And thank you for being with us, Lord. Thank you for uh, uh, the message that you shared with me and I've shared with your people now, too. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that uh, uh, you would give us a good week, Lord, and help us to ponder the message that uh, uh, we've heard today, Lord, and put it into practice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep in mind those passages I shared with you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and the first two uh, verses of chapter 2. John chapter uh, 1, verses 4 through 9. John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. And of course, the great I am the light of the world sermon. And finally, John 14, 6. Now, I've told you before about the writings of John. Is The language is very simplistic. You don't have to be a genius to be able to read it and understand what he's talking about it. But the concepts contained in it are just so deep. 
and you can just sit there and meditate on it for hours and hours. So anyway, hallelujah.